best at what I am. I say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man. When we meet in the local hall, I'll be voting with them all. With a hell of a shout, it's out, brothers, out. And the rise of the factories fall. Oh, you don't get me out. This episode forms part of a sequence that we're going to do on the development of trades unionism. It slots in around the same time as you have the reform movements, the anti-corn law league, the anti-slavery movement, and the factory reform movement, and indeed the social reform movement. It's also around the same time that you have the chartists, which were the subject of our previous couple of podcasts. This one is a bit unusual because it's almost out of chronological order. We're going to look at the trades union movement as a whole in a later episode. However, this is a particular moment and a particular incident that it's worth just picking up in a little bit of detail. And we're going to talk about the Toll Puddle Martyrs. So... A quick bit of background to make sure that everybody's on the same page. What is a trades union? Trades unions are an outgrowth of the Industrial Revolution. The issue is that when so many workers find themselves working together in an industrial setting, there are more workers than there are jobs in a lot of cases. This makes it very difficult for workers to be able to stand up for their rights. If you do not like your pay or your conditions and you complain to your employer, your employer can quite easily fire you and replace you with somebody else because there are more workers than there are jobs. If you complain on your own, you are easy to be got rid of. If, however, you complain as part of a group, it's very difficult for you to be got rid of quite so easily. And this is at the core of what trades unions are. They are groups of workers who operate collectively. They bargain collectively for better pay and better conditions. Because if one member of the union is removed, then the rest of the members of the union can withdraw their labour. They can bring a factory to a standstill, and that hits the employer where it counts. That hits the employer in their pocket and in their profits. So, trades unions are vital for the political activities of the working classes, and they are also, of course, a threat to the rulership of the current ruling classes, whether they be landowners, if you're talking about agricultural unions, or whether they be business owners. So you can see that the creation of trades unions is a major source of friction. Now we will dig into the roots of the trades union movements in workers' guilds and we'll talk about ideas about the combination acts that were put in to try and control the spread of trades unions and then we'll talk about the Grand National Consolidated Trades Union a little later on. However, where I'd like to focus in on today is in Dorset, the village of Tolpuddle. And here, in February of 1834, 
a group of agricultural workers come together to form a union. And the reason they're trying to form a union is because the revolution that's happened in industry hasn't simply been an effect on factories. It's also had an effect on the agricultural landscape as well. There are new machines that can do the work quicker. There are new machines that don't require skilled laborers to operate. Anybody can do the work. And so this has driven down the wages of agricultural workers. There is also less work. Therefore, in order to protect their pay and conditions, the men of Tolpuddle come together to form a union. Now, by this point, 1834, forming a union is legal. However, it is a threat to the local landowner for a couple of reasons. First, it's going to cut into his profits if they're arguing for better paying conditions. But secondly, you have to remember the febrile atmosphere at the dawn of the 1800s. It's been less than 50 years since the French Revolution and the following Napoleonic Wars rocked the world. It's been only another 10 years beyond that since the American Revolution, which we talked about in an earlier episode. The ruling classes, and the landowners in particular, are petrified of another revolution because it is them who will be heading for the guillotine if it happens. So the local landowner calls in some help from the local magistrate. The men of Tolpuddle, under the leadership of a man called George Lovelace, have organised themselves into a union. They are meeting under the local sycamore tree, they're meeting in the cottages of the various members. But one of the things they've done is to make sure that every member of the union is taking their responsibilities seriously, they have sworn an oath. Now, as it happens, swearing a secret oath is a criminal offence. And that's all the excuse the authorities need. Now, it wouldn't have actually mattered what the crime was. The key thing here is that there is an excuse to arrest them. If it hadn't been the secret oath, it would have been something else, because these men are a threat. Therefore, they are arrested. In February 1834, George Lovelace and the rest of them are gathered up. They're taken to trial, and they are found, unsurprisingly, guilty. The sentence is seven years transportation. A transportation means that they are shipped out to Australia. And in Australia, they will operate as indentured labourers. That is, they are not imprisoned in Australia. They are forced to work. They are basically slave labour for the term of seven years. Once that term of seven years, hard labour, working for a local farmer or a local mine owner or whatever in Australia, once that term of seven years, hard labour has been completed, they are then released in Australia. There is no ticket provided for your return trip. And of course, you have no money because you've just come out of the equivalent of prison. All the work you've been doing for the last, the last seven years has not been paid. So although the sentence is only for seven years, the vast majority of people who are transported don't come back. And that makes it a perfect solution for the politically undesirable. We saw this with chartists, and you see it with trades unionists as well. You remove them from the body politic. You ship them literally to the other side of the world, where they are no longer a problem. However, 
something has changed. In the atmosphere of the 1830s, word spreads very quickly. Small groups spring up, grassroots movements we call them today, determined to try and overturn this decision. And the driving force behind this is the realisation amongst various groups of working class people that this is an attack on the idea of trades unionism. Very well, trades unions are now legal, but if you're going to go around arresting everybody that forms a trade union on some form of trumped up charge, they might as well still be illegal. So a stand must be made. And the men get a name. They are called the Tullpuddle Martyrs. Martyr being someone who dies for their faith. Robert Owen, who's the leader of the Grand National Consolidated Trades Union, which we'll talk about later on, he calls a meeting of his members and 10,000 people turn up to attend this meeting to talk about what they're going to do about the toll puddle martyrs. A huge march is organised at Copenhagen Fields. Thousands of people and prominent people like Robert Owen stand up and address the crowds and a huge petition is gathered and delivered to the government. Now, the government obviously doesn't want to give in to this. However, the constant pressure from all angles and from all of these little grassroots movements really, really starts to pile the pressure on until the point where it actually seems not worth the trouble. Because the men were found guilty of such a small crime, it's not worth the political unrest and the increasing risk of some form of violence don't forget, this is the same time when you have the Luddite riots in the cities attacking the new machinery and the Captain Swing riots happening in the countryside. So there is still that very real fear of violent insurrection in the ruling classes. Well, it's just not worth it for the sake of these few men who've been carted off. Therefore, on the 14th of March, 1836, all six of the men are given a full and free pardon, and they're allowed to come home. The trades unions have won. The Tollpuddle Martyrs become a rallying cry for the power of workers and for the right to form a trades union. When they come back, they continue where they left off. But what's important is that all of those little groups that sprang up in support of the Tollpuddle Martyrs transfer their organisational energies into the Chartist movement, into the other elements of the trades union movement, and that itself then feeds into the increasing pace of social change in the rest of the 1830s, 1840s and 1850s. So the key takeaways from the Tollpuddle Martyrs, you need to make sure that you understand what a trades union is. You need to make sure you understand why the Tollpuddle Martyrs chose to form themselves into a trades union and why this was seen as such a threat to the local landowner. You need to understand what the sentences were and why the sentences were handed down and then how and why those sentences were reversed. Thank you very much for listening. Good luck on your exams. Get up, get up.